Seven high? Welcome to Rum Doings, episode 268. You can email us. You can email us, podcast at rumdoings.com. It's possible. Or you can send a tweet at rumdoings. Why don't you do that now? Just do it now. Anything. Stop, press pause and do the, both those things at the same time. Yes, you have to do them at the same time somehow. Surely everyone has an app that tweets their emails. Exactly. Every email they send is automatically tweeted publicly. That was good when everyone thought that's what they wanted the Twitter to do. To just, um, if you post this here, it will also tweet as well. Yeah, that was very good. Or, or, when you, or you could send an SMS to tweets. That was good. That's, that's why they had the character limiter originally. That's true. Although they said there's a, oh, I suppose the 140 was because was because Texas was 160, wasn't it? Probably still is. Yes. I imagine it was so they we, could have a little bit of, they had 20 characters free to put their own yeah. shenang- shenanigans in there. Exactly. So let me know then, what's the topic? The topic today is, mm. should we be worried about TikTok? <laughs> yeah. We have a new kitten. Well, you do? How have you not told me this? Two months. Well, I've been waiting for the podcast. We, it's called we, we, recorded a couple of weeks ago. We text like every day and you haven't told me this. Yeah, that's how good it is. It's called Peppermint. It's even had its oh, insides. No. She, she, she's had her insides ripped out. Please let already. this be a rescue if it's called Peppermint. Um, yes, it, although that was the chosen name. It, it's, its original name was Maisie and Victoria renamed what? it Peppermint. Uh, had such a a nice, it had a lovely name and Victoria gave it Peppermint. It's named after a drag queen. <laughs> called peppermint is she aware that the, the drag queen is named after the cutesy name peppermint ah uh, she she's a halloweeny cat she's she's mostly black she has a, this tiny little excuse of a few white hairs on her chest uh for no reason whatsoever well she's getting she's old called... yes and she's also had her uh her insides taken out do you so mean she she's been spayed anything. She can't have any kittens. We we removed her reproductive rights from her. We're <laughs> patriarchal and evil. <laughs> I'm I'm going to call her Maisie for the rest of her life. How's your worst kitten, Lucy? The the worst kitten. Yes. Yeah, she's a right. very expensive kitten. Yes. She's all right. She's of no interest. Have you got buyer's regret? Buyer's remorse? <laughs> if we'd paid for That's... her, I would have. But I mean. No, for... Oh, I, I tricked, spent all that money. Yes. I, tri- I tricked other people into letting them pay for us. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you feel any guilt for wasting all their generosity them? on uh, that ghastly cat? Yes. Uh, <laughs> do you know? I don't. In retrospect, it, you do it. It's a ludicrous amount of money that was spent, but she is. It's nice that she's alive. Is it though? Is also, it nice without a tail, they're much better. I just flip her on her back and cuddle her in my upside down in my arm, and they're without the tail in the way. It's much easier. So everyone should have their cat's tails removed. <laughs> a tailectomy. Yes. That would be very good. I think you should do that. I have. Good. Excellent. Glad you came. I am glad you came as well. Um, so everything's going very well, isn't it? Here's yes. a, a ridiculously long URL, so you can see a picture of her from a few weeks ago. She's a very. You're going to send it see... in the worst possible place, aren't yeah. you? You can yeah. see the little, the little white, the the excuse Aww. for the white bib. Look at a the cat. excuse for the look at the excuse for the white bib. That's a good. It's not. She hasn't put much effort in, has she? <laughs> no, it's like she 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 took a few strands of her fur and put some tipex on it. What does your other cat think? 
what do you think a 12 or 13 year old cat would think of a new kitten that comes along and be utterly delighted? <laughs> That's right. Just you hear the catch high fiving you every time you walk in a room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As the kitten jumps on, on top of her from on top of her chair and that kind of thing. Perfect. Anyway, yeah, so everything's going very well at the moment. It looks like we're going to have a progressive but uh, but uh, sensible uh, new government that's going to be in soon that will uh, remove this ridiculous Brexit calamity and yep, yep. then invest, invest in infrastructure and public services such that this country has a bright new future. I'm so glad that you've joined the Liberal Democrats. <laughs> but it's Joe okay. Jo Swinson can win, you know that, because if she says that enough times, everyone will be tricked into voting for her. But it's okay. Um, John McDonald's going to bring us some broadband. That's true. He does pledge free broadband for all. It must yeah, be fun. It. it must be so much fun knowing you absolutely flat out cannot win an election because you can just pledge everything. Yes. It's basically any, any time a Tory said, well, we're going to spend this much on the NHS. Well, we're going to add a zero to that. Okay, well, yeah, it's fine, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Farage has been entertaining as well, basically running a, a pyramid scheme as a party. Um, it's so it's so fantastically blatant. And what's even better is all these outraged people furious with him. Well, just join explain us, to the list. Explain to the listener, please. <sighs> Nigel Farage is a man. He is who uh, used to work for hedge funds. He did. Until international fun- head, international. He was a very internationalist. He worked for international head funds. Yes. He he believes in international trade. He's married to a German woman, has multinational children, and so on. He's one of the most trans-European international people you Absolutely. could ever imagine. Uh, his his stock comes from French Huguenots who sought refuge, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Nigel Farage. Good old-fashioned immigrant immigrant stock. Yes, Farage. So he and um, at the time of the financial crash, he'd worked for every one of the major head funds that was responsible. Yes, that's good. Anyway, yes, his uh, his latest little scam, the Brexit party, was uh, entertainingly revealed to be such when he asked her, he charged everyone who applied to interview to be a pri- to be a, a candidate for the Brexit party. One had to pay a hundred three hundred pounds, was it? Mm. Just to interview or something bonkers like that. Yeah. Um, no, one hundred pounds, and he had three thousand people. Lovely <laughs> interview. And then he selected six hundred of them, and then just ch- just told about four hundred of them. I actually, I've changed my mind. So you don't get to stand there. <laughs> and he's not a lead. No one's people only just at that point realised that he's the leader of the Brexit Party because he says so, and there's no system in place to remove him or replace him. Mm. He's dictator for life of the Brexit Party. He's not going to stand in any political seat because he knows he'll lose again. <laughs> and now yeah. he's just made off with all their money and is uh, making inventing his own pacts with the Conservatives that they won't actually agree to. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, this is this is the man who's brought this country to its knees. Well done. Yeah. He's, uh... Thanks, BBC. Thanks, Have I Got News For You. Thanks, Question Time. Mm, all these people. Still, at least, you know, Jeremy's doing well. Yes, that's right. He's and did you see his interview with Koonsberg yesterday? I can't actually watch any footage with Jeremy Corbyn anymore. It, it it's bad for my blood pressure. He's just so crotchety. I just don't. This I I, just, I understand why people got excited about him uh, a few years ago when they don't and for people who don't care 
about racism when it's not one of their chosen pet races Mm. um then i get it he sound he seemed like this beacon of of hope because he said all these these positive things or or more accurately was reported to have said and you saw (coughs) very small curated versions of his saying those things of course the moment you start to see him being at all challenged the mask slips off doesn't it he's not well that's my point magic grandpa but that's the thing. When you watch him now, he's such a crotchety man. I don't understand the youth appeal anymore because, I mean, he is a 70-year-old man who's had enough, who doesn't want to be there, just wants to be growing his vegetables. I think it goes beyond crotchety. There's a I, you know, of, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. There's no, a kind no, I'm just of implied violence sometimes in, in the way he expresses things. It's, it's actually quite disturbing to watch because you imagine yep. if he did have you know, power at his behest and the mm-hmm. control of a hunter or something, I would be worried. I, I don't trust that man at all. With, I, with Listen, I, listen. I agree with you that I get that same violence is just the right word. Mm. He, he feels so volatile and so furious yes. and it feels brittle. like, yeah, and it's bubbling away under this, this brittle exterior. Yes. But what I'm saying is, even if you don't perceive that, you can't deny that he is just an irritable old man grumbling. Who has so no... where's the youth appeal now? Where is it coming from? Well, is there? A, I suppose there is. But I mean, I guess it's people who just see him as a... As a totem. Kind, a totem, yeah. They're, 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 no, surely nobody, not even the Corbynistas, are actually seeing the Corbyn on the ground. They're seeing their image of what they hoped he would be. I can't imagine there's anybody who sees Corbin Watson all today and just thinks he's a wonderful full package. I can't think so. I mean, well, even some, somebody deluded like Owen Jones. Exactly. So you have to be, you have to have been in the, joined the cult. Yes. People say you have to drop the Kool-Aid, but people don't seem to understand that would mean you'd be dead. Yes, exactly. From all that sugar. Yes, precisely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, and and then you look at the people around him, like Seamus Milne and John McDonald, and you think, "Wow!" Now that would be a problem uh, if you know, but it's if if they were very popular, nevertheless. But the, what what really almost makes it sadder is they're also incompetent, and they, you know, I would even even though he's a racist and an incompetent and so on. I'd still want him to be able to ensure that there be at least a hung parliament. But he's not going to. He's working no. very hard to give Boris Johnson an outright majority, which is now what's going to happen. Every oh, yeah. day that follows, it becomes clearer and clearer. And well, I thought it was fairly clear from the start, really. <laughs> yeah. But so, yes, it's it's going to be horrendous we're going to have five years of literally literally five years of boris johnson as prime minister of this country. at least at least at the very least i mean it could um, end up being like thatcher where you could have 10 15 years i wonder though whether he will implode long before then not because of anything anyone on the opposition does but whether just the boris johnson ness of him he'll get bored of the job and just start becoming increasingly ridiculous hmm um what's what really bothers me is the mist uh, when he came in when he won and then he just lost 
vote after vote in Parliament. And it was going to be this hilarious, he finally won the thing he's always wanted since the day he was born. And it's just going to be this poison chalice and it's going to spit him out within a month. And it would have just been perfect. And I don't understand how the system is so broken that he just carried on. I do understand. Jeremy Corbyn allowed it to happen. Jeremy Corbyn was given multiple opportunities where it could have forced through a second referendum or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And each time Mm -hmm. he was given that opportunity, he made sure that his troops stood down. Same thing that happened with May. Again, when the history books are written about this, it will be Jeremy Corbyn, who is the ironic foot soldier to these Brexiteers. And it's tragic. I'm looking at Owen Jones' articles. The political political difference, he's saying everybody has to vote Labour or else you're scum, basically. The political difference (laughs) with Jeremy Corbyn might be smaller than those of his predecessors, but they still exist. Um, Tiny differences. The lack of a consistent pro-migrant case after the referendum was cowardly. The, The shift away from, quote, constructive ambiguity on Brexit was too slow. It hasn't shifted away. Uh-huh. The leadership should have been swifter and more decisive in dealing with anti-Semitism on the left's fringes. On the fringes, yeah. There, <laughs> there's been a lack of courage in challenging... The fringe, you know that fringe that's elected MPs yeah. <laughs> and centre staff, yeah. A lack of courage in challenging the failed war on drugs. But just look at the stakes. Look at the abyss this country hurtles towards. Yeah. Choose the cowardly, Brexity, um, anti-Semitic, uh, failed war on drugs, crotchety old man. <laughs> no, I think we get into the, we've got. I, I used to argue for the lesser of two evils at all the, all the time, but I'm now beginning to think that if you always choose the lesser of two evils, you end up just getting evil. And mm. we, I think we we have to now almost decide what we want and just always ask for it. And that's the end of it. Uh, And at some point, I hope that the electoral maths will catch up. And if it does be a better, go on. No, carry on. Who would be a better prime minister, Boris Johnson or Jeremy Corbyn? Boris Johnson would be a better prime minister, I think, because he, uh, in the same way that he was an acceptable mayor of London, because he, he he's too lazy. He's a lazy man. So right. actually, he wasn't detail-oriented. He kind of let the civil servants get on with it after a while. He would occasionally be there for flagship policies. Uh, so I think just by benign neglect, he would be mm-hmm. a better prime minister. I think that Corbyn, Corbyn would be lazy in a different way, and that he's very unintelligent, and he doesn't ever master his brief. But I think he would be quicker to jump head first into whatever Seamus suggested was yeah, their, yeah. their their policy du jour. And I do think that we would uh, just think about the sorts of people we're, we, we're talking about here, Seamus Mill, and then on the front bench, we're talking about people like Diane Abbott. And, <sighs> yeah, so imagine a, a cabinet full of people like that. It's just totally cataclysmic. The economy would tank just because, you know, even with the best will in the world, the economy would tank because, of course, as we know, economics is it doesn't exist, and it's all to do with psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and the psychology of these the, these ragtags coming in is going to be just too much for the economy to handle. At which point they'll have to do what people like the Liverpool Council during um, militant tendency did, where they ran out of money. They ended up having to fire a lot of staff, close down a lot of libraries, all those things that we hate, they ended up having to do anyway because of the chaos that ensued. Yeah. So 
So, you know, it's almost, we have a horrible choice. Our choice is, do we want Austerity Part 2 out of Desire, which is Johnson's lot, or out of Cock-Up, which is going to be Corbyn's lot? Whatever the case is, we're going to get it. Now, in a sense, I prefer that we get it out of Desire, Johnson's lot, because at least I hope that that will eventually make him sufficiently unpopular that there will be some more coherent uh, kind of immune response to it from a hopefully rebuilt Labour Party that's woken up from the nightmare that it's allowed itself to fall into over That'd the last five years. Yeah. I can't think of any other way. Because otherwise, how is the Labour Party going to reform itself? What's going to happen? Oh, yeah, because if Corbyn wins, in the looser sense of the word at this point... Mm. It does just it just does give them, even though it just just doesn't make any sense. It does give them that that sense that they they were right. We were right to do this. The yeah. project worked. We won. They already did that. They already think they won in, well, in twenty seventeen. They you won. Know, the, yeah, they do. It's <laughs> uh, amazing. I've seen the Twitter arguments. They're yeah. just spectacular. Uh, and it's that's a terrible tragedy because imagine that they'd been properly trounced in twenty seventeen. Yeah, and, and they now that forced uh, Corbyn and his malign old men out. Well, no, you say that, but nothing forces anyone out anymore. Uh, a proper trounce would have. Nah. I mean, uh, something would have had to have happened. Let let let's 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 take a fancy and let's assume that they found some charismatic young black woman, for example, who could uh-huh. fit, who could head the Labour Party and was intelligent. She'd been to Oxbridge oh, or whatever, please. and. and and she and she was now the face of the Labour Party, and she was give, to properly gaining a diverse and young uh, following. Imagine her against Boris oh. Johnson. You know, <laughs> imagine that that in my heart. Imagine, and she also she'd been a proper Remainer. Imagine that yes. had happened in twenty seventeen. <laughs> yes. So you see, you see my problem here. Uh, uh. How have we been saddled with these awful old men? Uh. And also, be fair, it's also your fault awful, for some reason. Awful white old men, but also awful black old women like Diana. But let's allow. Yes. Let's allow yes. I don't want her to feel left out. I'm, I mustn't be picketed. She's also. Don't worry, Diane. You're also terrible. Yeah. So you know that's and 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 when you think about it like that, that the opportunity that's been squandered after the, uh, in the last few years is is really quite tragic, isn't it? Because this is not it's not just like a normal election where, oh well, we'll try again five years. This was the election where something need radical needed to happen in order to stop us jumping off the cliff. And we said we had a man who's been wanting to jump off that cliff since yeah. the nineteen seventies. And that's Woohoo, where... cliff jumping, yay! Yay! Cliff jumping into uh socialism in one country. Well, no, you're not gonna get that. Mr. Corbyn, but you apparently all the books that he that he's recommended, you know, to read about all the philosophies and politics and economics that he's supposed to be engaged in, he's never actually read them. People who are his friends say he kind of just puts them on his shelf and he he quotes the kind of the blurb on the back of it kind of thing. So he's that I, sort. I, I do I do that too. Yeah, but, but uh, to be fair, at least you're not trying to be prime minister yet. <laughs> That's true. Not yet. Not yet. So are video games good? Um, I'm far more interested to tell you my theory about the uh, thing I observed, I think it was last week, where the perfect mm. dilution of the, the Corbynite cult mindset Go on then. Um, was is, is shown through how they receive Radio 4's the, uh, Today programme. Right. 
So every time uh, a Labour politician goes on to that programme and gets a grilling, yes. they it trends on Twitter every single day. Their name will trend on Twitter. And right. it's just thousands of people furious at their treatment. How dare you talk to them like this? How dare you? But it's disgusting. BBC bias, these Tories at the BBC, blah, blah, blah. And then if they have a Tory on, on the same yeah. day, so they, they accidentally tune in and hear... They then hear the same grilling. They say, oh, my goodness, did you hear that? For once, the BBC bothered to ask decent questions of a Tory. I can't even believe it. Is Nick Robinson feeling well? Yeah. And this was perfectly distilled last week when they had J Britain's most ironically named man, James Cleverly and James <laughs> and Diane Abbott on at the same time. Oh, my and God, what a pair. And then, well, they were on separate the same morning, I should say. And then the Twitter response, the same accounts tweeting, how dare they talk to Diane Abbott like that? Just typical blah, blah, blah. And, oh my goodness, Nick Robinson asked difficult questions to James Cleverly and the BBC, okay, do they need help? The same people. The same people! I hate people. I Don't hate you? people too. Yeah. And that's it. That is exactly the mindset that makes them still support Corbyn because they perceive their perception is so deranged that they can hear the same interview as Nick Robinson in both cases asking difficult questions of two people and hear one as bias and the other as finally some decent politics yeah. and decent journalism. Um, there is a more ironically named Tory Brexit here, and that's Marc Francois. Oh, that's true, yes. I love it when they <laughs> Marc Francois. Yeah. Marc Francois. Ugh. I have a, a, chat, a game for you to play. Really? Yes. Snakes and ladders. <laughs> it's Ludo, actually. Yeah, I was going to say Ludo, and then I said two games of no skill whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know how you're always going on about how soon white people in Britain are going to be a minority. And yeah, yeah. You, can uh, never, you just don't. You don't hear English spoken in the streets when you walk around anymore. No, exactly because of all. You know the, how you're uh, always uh, saying that. Ironically, primarily because of those very pale white Eastern Europeans. We'll ignore that. Yes. Shh, shh. Anyway. You're always banging on about this thing. So I thought I, uh, we could do a little game where you have to guess mm -hmm. the percentage population. Now, this is 2011 because that's the last time we had a census. Mm -hmm. But the percentage population of different colourful skin choices <laughs> people have made yes. um, in this country. Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. I would like you to guess the percentage of, of England and Wales. Mm -hmm. Because obviously Scotland is just a hundred percent white; they don't yes. have people in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's why they want their independence to make sure that they can keep keep themselves to keep the there. keep yeah. the darkies out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Um, the okay, the percentage of Great Britain of sorry England and Wales that is ident that is Black African, Black Caribbean, or Black other. Eleven percent. See, I would have gone there. Three point three percent. I'm being confused. I think it's eleven percent is United States. Well, you're, anyway, three point three percent. It is ridiculously uh, oh, small. People are massively overrepresented on telly. Then, but that, that, I mean, you can't draw any other conclusion than that. And I was right. so I gave that thought, and I just think that's why is that a good thing? It's a good thing because if you're a black kid and you're watching TV and you only ever see white people on your screen. You are alienated by that. So who cares that there's overrepresentation? Why are you alienated it by that? That's every child to see, it allows every child to see themselves no, on TV with no, mirrored uh, back to them. And uh, that's good. Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, you, you, you're saying that because yeah, you're patronising and racist. I'm um, not. I've listened to what uh, people of colour have talked about their childhoods uh, and seeing uh, only white faces. Uh, but anyway, go uh, on. People of colour. Um, people of colour. Uh, 
What if if I say move to Mombasa, and I watch telly there, and I saw primarily black faces? Do you know what? Fine. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm alienated by all you guys. Or would you, you would you be alienated if you brought if you took Toby to an African majority black African country and you saw uh-huh. major mostly black people around and mostly black people on the posters and mostly black yes. people on television? Would you say yes, Toby? You're right to feel alienated by these horrible no. black faces staring at you, not looking anything like your lovely white face. Would you? No, no of course you wouldn't. So Listen. why have you got the racism of low expectations? Because I'm not talking about moving somewhere and then demanding the place change. I'm talking about being born somewhere. So what if you were a very different thing? Okay, so you were born there. Yes, Toby was born there. Are you? And then you start whinging, do you? If if he is of that nationality, no, Toby is is now Kenyan, and he's one of the few. Let's let's say it's not three percent. Let's say got to three percent of white uh, people in Kenya. And Uh would, would you say more white representation in Kenya? No, but I wouldn't be of course upset. You wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset by its existence. I bet you would be. I bet you say this is this is <laughs> kind of why. What you would say is this is a strange manifestation of white supremacy within an African country. How dare you? That's what I think you would do. <laughs> that's, that's what I would say. That's true. That is I think I you would. Be. I think you would say. You would say. Why are you making a fetish? over the colour of his face. When he looks on television, mm. he sees people. He doesn't see skin colour. It's your problem that you're projecting onto him. Oh, he's got to see other white people. Otherwise, he'll feel alienated because these other people aren't quite like him. They're so profoundly different. That sounds racist <laughs> to me. So interesting. All I had to say was number 3.3 and all your racism started pouring out. It's your, You're the one who's being you're racist arguing, here. John. You're arguing for black people to be taken off TV. I'm I'm suggesting that <laughs> what you're arguing for. I'm suggesting that as long as we are arguing about how many colours we see on telly as if it were an important thing, we are inexorably and problematically and fundamentally racist. But when all the faces are one colour, do you not see the issue? Um I can see the contingent issue because it's because we are all fundamentally racist. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, 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 and I uh, and and therefore, I'm looking forward to a society where we're not all fundamentally racist. In a society full of fundamental racists on both sides, we get very worried when we don't see people but with our skin not... on the screen. Are you not saying that from the rather luxurious position of being a white person who's not only been white in this country but also been white in South Africa? What's what's so luxurious about it? What, you? You think you think that I don't come from a people that has been used to being an oppressed minority. I would argue that you personally have never experienced that. Um, that's that's very presumptuous, isn't it? It, it would is be a bit presumptuous, like, but am, bit, am I wrong? Um, yes, in a very real sense, you are wrong, as you would as you would understand if you spoke to British Jews who still basically have the proverbial suitcase ready to leave. No, absolutely. I completely Nobody, understand do, that. Do, but do, I'm do, saying do that you, you think that the Irish Jew feels that they are, a, they are considered a proper English person? If you do, then you're very deluded. That, but I have, and that's where, that's where I'm ignorant and, and need to learn more, obviously. Oh, no, no. It, I, and that's the problem. I think our superficial yeah. understanding, oh, yeah, they're a bit dark, so that's all right then. Well, actually, hold on a moment. What are we talking about? So are we talking about people who have African heritage? 
or Afro-Caribbean heritage. Very, very different stories, very, very different cultures. People with African heritage still have connections with uh, tribal loyalties back in Africa, still have family there. People with Afro-Caribbean heritage have a completely different appreciation and understanding of their trajectory in this country and their heritage. But of course, racists just say, oh, just put a few more dark ones on the screen, they'll look fine, as long as they look like them. Uh, a Kenyan and a, a, a and an Angolan and saying, yeah, you're, both, you're the same, aren't you, mate? You're, you're both darkies. So as long as you put, we'll put you on the screen because you all come from the same. How utterly ridiculous that is. And as I say, that's why I think as long as we live in a country that where superficial racism is encouraged, as it is on the right and on the left, as part of this very shallow uh, dulux-based identity policies, then, yeah, you're right. Um, we need to put a few more dark ones on the screen to make them feel better because I'll feel horrible if they don't. But I don't think that's a good news story. I think it means we're still caught in the infancy of our species. Okay, but listen, when I poke you about not experiencing prejudice as a Jewish person... No, but I don't... You immediately are riled by that. No, I'm not riled. No, 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 no. You you misunderstand. I think think it it is something that anybody experiences based on any difference that they care to delineate out. You know, there are rivalries between villages, there are rivalries between families, there are rivalries between I'm not going to get rounded up in the back of meat trucks at any point. In my personal experience, there's no one looking to round me up in the back of a meat truck. That's just a reality uh, of me. Really? I've seen some of the people who tweet against you. (laughs) Yeah. But no, there isn't, there's no distinguishing Mm. factor. I have got this, I am the the most generically white, straight male you can can imagine. I think you, I think that's a very privileged thing to say. It is. To presume that you have a magic shield. You don't have a magic shield. Some, you, some, the the world could find a way to turn against you. Sure. Okay. But history offers no example. I'm sure it does. Apart from, I mean, you can look to, like, say, Indonesia. If I were in Indonesia or in China right now, I'd be in massive trouble for being a Christian. I could be yes. murdered for that. Yes, uh, you could so be. there's that. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, sort of choice over. But, 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 but again, what are we? So what are we talking about here? Yeah, the argument is that it is correct to presume that if you do not see people with the same color face as you on television, you should feel alienated. I don't think that is correct. I think that is a symptom of a disease that we haven't cured. I don't think that's a hopeful thing. Fair enough. And, interesting. Okay, and also, okay, but let's, let, let's put it this way. Let's presume yep. that suddenly started, people started noticing that there weren't enough people with blue eyes on television. Would you? Uh, and so my kid is looking at people and he's seeing lots of brown eyes and green eyes. He's not seeing a lot of blue eyes. Can we tell people to put in contact lenses or get a few more blue-eyed folk on the screens, please. Would, that, would sound, that would sound slightly ludicrous, wouldn't but it? But there isn't a history of oppression of blue-eyed people. So it's all about oppression. We, are, we, don't have, we don't have slavery and subjugation in living memory of blue-eyed people. So, 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 you're, so you're, te- you're telling me that we associate the skin colour with the oppression that was, used to be associated with the skin colour and we keep that alive. No, I'm saying that it is alive in living memory, and we and we work hard to keep it alive. Well, you do because you hate b- for black people yeah, so yeah. much. But, but 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 it sounds to me like your argument is you know there there are there are this is all boils down to two arguments, two ways of seeing the world. There was the the kind of Martin Luther King way of seeing the world, where we need to stop looking and fetishizing color and look at the content of one's character, and there was mm-hmm. the modern left, which basically is seems to 
be more fetishizing about the exact precise shade you are than than Hendrik Verwoerd of apartheid South Africa. I tend more towards the traditional left way of looking at it. I wish we could eventually just shut up about superficial uh, ethnic marking identities. And as long as we're not shutting up about them from either left or right, I see that as a tragedy. And in the same way that, you know, you can argue that, okay, civic nationalism, that is the example of the SNP is different from ethnic nationalism. And there's these big arguments about how they can be seen as progressive or not. No, I just see nationalism as a tiger that I prefer to leave in the jungle and not cuddle up to. Similarly, similarly, yeah, similarly, any sort of racial fetishizing based on superficial outward uh, differences is something I would just like us to leave in the dark history of our of our of our species. Uh, how I think, differently? How different? On be honest, an honest mental exercise. How differently would you be phrasing, framing this argument? Had you? Um, had a different role of the dice and been born as black or coloured in South Africa. How how on earth could I even begin to think about that? But don't you think that's important? You're saying this as someone who was born with the, you know, you've no, got the, the, the golden no, I ticket don't, I don't when you think were born in South Africa. I, no, I don't think it's important. I don't think it's important. Uh, <laughs> taking we 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 should why, why on earth should we take the subjective and warped experiences of somebody as a way of great creating policy? If you want to do that, why if you we're talking about we've got to take account of people who feel they were persecuted, grievances in all cases, then you know what you get? You get Rwanda, where various tribes felt but that you, they were being underrepresented but, and were being persecuted by others, and that's what ends up happening. I want I want to staunch these 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 prickly re- re- reminders of our idiocies, not stoke them up every day. Okay, but I just feel like when you grew up, presumably, did you have a gate on your house? No. Did you not? No, we were quite oddly lax. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and I actually understand that in your your family's particular circumstances, your dad was a, an astonishingly heroic man doing very and we were things. literally persecuted by persecuted the, by, by the secret police. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I understand you have special circumstances, but I just feel like when you when you were in a country where the color of your skin gave you a golden ticket compared to, I mean, there are still townships in South Africa yes, where children don't teaches, have access to yes. school. And you know what that does? That teaches you that that's a, it's a very stupid thing to base anything on the color of your skin. Fair. True. Yeah. That's the lesson I learned. The lesson I learned is God, isn't this stupid? I'd like to be in a society where people stop fetishizing about this. Yeah, you know, where people are, and they're apartheid government, the exact same thing. Oh, we need to have just this amount of Afrikaans on television. Others will alienate the Afrikaners. There need to be this number of Afrikaners in the civil service. And there's the Bruderbond where they had just the, they would create affirmative action for Afrikaners uh, and all those kind of things. Screw all that nonsense. And I don't care what side, side it's coming from. Now, there are the arguments about, okay, there are traditional structural iniquities that are left behind that echo across the generations we can talk about how we'll deal with those and we can talk about what are sensible ways of dealing with those and what are actually insulting and patronizing ways of dealing with those i have some ideas but uh i think we can go on about them in another episode because those require a lot of explanation okay now what percentage of the british population is arab england and wales again i should say when you say arab what do you mean it's so under on the official stats under other there's arab and any other arab 
Well, there's yeah. a different. Okay, you see, there's a very big difference between say Persian, Arab, uh, Pakistani Muslim, uh, North African Muslim. Okay, so we've got Asian as Bangladeshi, Chinese, Indian, Pakistani, and Asian other as a separate category. So Arab, Arab, yes. I think would be outside of London, almost non-existent. Um, so yeah, zero point four percent. Yeah, I was say I, w- I was going to say it's got to be under one percent. There you go. So what about, uh, so uh, total Bangladeshi, Chinese, Indian, Pakistani and Asian other all lumped, insanely lumped together. What percentage? Do you think uh, uh, that's surely got to be close to 15%. It's exactly half, 7.5%. Okay, well, it'll be 15%. Britain is so yeah. much whiter than anyone realises. No, because those, particularly Bangladeshi, and the, I think that, that will change. I think within the next 10 years or so, that should you be... You overestimated black population by three and Asian by double. No, I black think population... That's, I mean, that's, part of that's because you live in London and yeah. you have very different yeah. visual black, popula- black, black population uh, will rise slightly, but stabilise um, because birth rates aren't that significantly different. Whereas I think some of these other populations will go up quite significantly just because there's a very different tradition in birth rates and so on. It will be interesting to see the stats in three years' time to see if they have significantly shifted. I think they will have. But um, Britain is... So England, Wales, 0.7% Chinese, 2.5% Indian, 2% Pakistani. I cannot believe these numbers are so low. Um, And then for white, Mm -hmm. is 86%. Well, you're you're a cold... North European island in the middle of the sea. What do you expect? Yeah. But it is. I find these numbers. I, I so I find these numbers so interesting because they're this perception that we're being taken over or that white is a minority in our country is so who insanely says, out. Who on earth says racist. white is a minority in our country? People who phone up James O'Brien regularly say such things. Who says that? People Obviously. who phone up radio stations all the time say it. Nobody We're would becoming act. a minority in our own country. Nobody we would don't hear that. English spoken in the streets anymore. Nobody would actually say that we're a minority. That would be ridiculous. People say it all the time. Ninety-eight. I looked up the la- language as well. 98% of the population speaks English. Well, you, I'd hope so. It's England. <laughs> I would hope that 98% of the population of Spain speaks Spanish as well. Though. Yes, so would I. It would make sense for this idea that you don't hear English in the streets anymore. This is to what I am putting pay. Uh, indeed, the only reason that it's probably in Spain is 98% because of all the British expats. <laughs> yes, the, the expats, yes. Uh, so over there going, what Brexit should have gone through years ago? Yes. We need to be uh, kicked out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official language of Spain now. Yeah. Oh dearie me. Um so I think those statistics are interesting. I think they're interesting in, in in as much as they reveal just how stupid racists are. But they're also well, interesting you're, as well, a, well, we as found out that you are a racist no, though. So no, 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 but I well no, I've been I've been trying to play devil's advocate to your position yeah. more than anything. But Plus you also at the think same that time, Chinese people aren't even human. Well, that's a whole other subject. Yeah. Um, the the um, is it just Chinese people? The, the representation. The, the other thing, that, anybody oh, with holds on their eyes. Do you include anybody in the alien hypothesis? No. So, for example, Native Americans have the of the folds. Are, are they are they also aliens? No. Just Japanese and Chinese, then not Korean. It's not Japanese people at all. Koreans. Nope. Uh, just Chinese then. Just Chinese. Okay. Any, sorry, carry on. I was interrupted. And, and again, can I just stress again? 
Yeah. That I know it isn't that I don't object to there being aliens. I'm not prejudiced against there being aliens. It doesn't bother me in the slightest that everyone in China is an alien. It doesn't bother me. Okay. It's just a fact. Okay. Carry on, please. Anyway, you were, okay. I interrupted you. You did. It was very rude. Mm. Uh, but I think the other reaction I had to these statistics was, oh my goodness, representation on TV and people's fury about it is, is interesting in regard to these numbers. Yes. And... Uh, we'll see what happens. I think things will balance out because the there is a substantial overrepresentation on television now. If one worries about that sort of thing, but what's amusing is people will sort of presume that there isn't. Um, I don't see any negative consequence of having a range of ethnicities no. on television. I can't see a downside to it. Well, unless you get some weird, perverse, uh, or inverse. Uh, response than the one you suggested and that is if we look at the problems when you know i'm a governor at my daughter's school and and if you look at who are some of the most poorly uh performing left behind kids work working so working class white brits do pretty badly and i'm wondering whether you know maybe you could have the inverse argument and they're seeing this highly diverse range of people on the screens and they're in some godforsaken village somewhere with these inbred white scratters and they're thinking what the hell is my life <laughs> so maybe there'll be a, this this weird and uh, I, I, I do wonder whether that's the case because actually if you look at youth culture is primarily afro-caribbean culture i mean even the 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 youth accent in in london now is, is nothing like cockney or estuary it's they they i heard uh uh, a person of color, as you would 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 call them, disgustingly call it a black. <laughs> they they say I only say this because as as a translucent white person, I'm without color. Yeah. They saw they they call they they called it a black scent, and that's the primary accent that is now the um the prevailing accent across white and black and even uh, Asian children in m- many parts of London. So I think there that is, but that is uniquely London because I mean, here yeah, where I live, yeah, the youth I, accent I, yeah. is. I, it, Pirate. Yes, indeed. But I think there's still an aspiration. Think about what popular music has been for a long time. Think about hip hop. Think about rap. I think that is the aspirational culture. So I think if you find that you are living in a place where everybody is translucent and you're far away from the aspirational culture, I think you might be feeling a little left out. I think it's almost the opposite. I, I do think that that culture that music uh, contribution to sports and so on. I think that's aspirational now amongst the youth. I think there's been a big, well, it's not that even a big switch. There were pockets of this from the fifties onwards, you know, jazz clubs and all those kind of things. People said, mm-hmm. they said they saw it as an escape from the banality of their white bread uniformity. And I wonder whether but, that's still happening. I think it's just, just a, just kid t- teenagers being teenagers, isn't it? Mixed. Yeah. But it's interesting what teenagers are attracted to. Um, I also, I think this country is quite good with mixed race um, uh, combinations and so on. I think that that two percent of the population are mixed race. And I think, yeah, but I think it, it's it's considered very normalised when it happens. I don't think yeah. people are scandalised by it at all. I see plenty of people, um, you know, a combination of you know real scratter white working class mixed with Afro Caribbean duty <laughs> school and so on and it's it's like it's it it, it is here just it, it really is the norm think of the number of people i know who come from mixed mixed race partnerships and so on like sure. that. And, and it's interesting because that was the one area where i thought well maybe that won't 
become the norm because there's so many different cultural tensions and so on. And that's what I like because I like that because then you you problematize the banal, oh, he's not seeing people of his particular color on screen. Well, which color is that exactly? Yeah, yeah. Is it the mixed? Is it the is it the fathers? Is it the mothers? And what if the mother herself is mixed race? And then you uh, screw all that. Let's just get over this and go 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 colonize space, please. So here's why London has such a different perspective. But say, again, 2011 statistics mm. for London. Yes. T- total of uh, all white ethnicities, 59.8%. I can see that in London, uh, there will come a point where white will be minority. That's well, no, I think white white will be in the minority to everything else added together. Yeah. And I wonder if that might show up in the next census, but they're not well, a minority. They're still a massive majority overall. Yeah. And I think I think enough whites will, even if it's nothing to do with coming in, enough whites will leave and go go to Essex or something like that to to would allow that to happen. As they sell out, they sell their houses and find that they can buy a McMansion in Essex for what they sell in London and that kind of thing. You know, yeah. Gran- old Granny from the East End dies. They sell her house that she's had for eight million years for eight million quid, <laughs> and then they all move to Essex. And then people who move in, Granny's house is then converted into twenty flats. Uh, mixed race people move in, and that would then be reflected on the census. Eighteen point four percent Asian, thirteen point three percent black hmm. in London. So. That That's why sense. I think you and I think when the majority of the media is produced in London, yes, it starts to make a lot more sense that that representation is much more realistic. That I would say TV represents London figures quite accurately. Oh, I have to go and get something from the postman. Can I? Uh, tell, oh. can, I can you? Can you say? Say? Tell a secret. To okay, um, I'll be back. Good. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe this is happening again. He's not getting anything from the postman. He's taking drugs. He's taking crack cocaines, which he injects between his toes. And he's eating heroin pills. And it's just a tragedy that this is... He makes these excuses and he won't face up to the fact that he's a dangerous addict. A racist, dangerous addict. Hi, how you doing? Why, hello. Good to hear you. Oh, there's a bounty. There were lots and lots of parcels and packages and magazines, all, all with Victoria's name on it. I don't get both. The only thing that's been delivered to my house as we speak is my wife. I'm sorry. You can say return to sender. <laughs> Package unwanted here. That would be very unfair to send her back to Kidderminster, though. Kidderminster, that sounds like... That sort of repatriation disgusts me. <laughs> Kidderminster, I imagine, is full of translucent folk. <laughs> it is a very translucent town. Very Brexity. Oh very, my gosh. Very Brexity as well. No one should have to be there. Is, is there anything attractive about Kidderminster just geographically? Oh gosh, no. no. Um, but it's surrounded by pretty places. Right, so as long as you get out of it, you're all right. Yes. Go out, go in any direction from it, apart from toward Birmingham, and you're just fine. Birmingham. What a ridiculous accent. And that's uh, that's an interesting thing about this this push to push uh, media out of London <laughs> and and produce it in other uh, dense cities for better representation. Mm, no, I don't think that's going to happen for to represent this stinking country. <laughs> no. 
We don't want to. Let's take. Let's let's draw a conclusion. Yeah. Let's draw a line under this. Okay. We don't want to represent England and Wales. They're awful places. Well, that I've always thought that, but I try not to say so because it sounds rude. I mean, what's interesting though? I mean, what is the actual percentage in Scotland? Though I'm very curious to know. Oh, I can't. Be, I can't. Oh, I'll have to look it up now. Racial demographic. <laughs> oh, you do. Scotland. It. Let's have a look. <laughs> yes. Right. 103% white. 90, 98.19% of people living in Scotland were white. Uh, wow. South Asian was the next largest non-white ethnic group at 1.09%, followed by Chinese, 0.32%, followed by mixed, 0.25%, followed by black, 0.16%. Crikey. Imagine, 0.16%. That's always... I mean, there's only about five people in Scotland. That means that basically there's a black there's a black foot hopping about. <laughs> do you, do you want to hear my racist thought about Scotland? Yes, go on. They are very inbred. I... They have problems with that. Genuinely, listen, 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 yeah. listen, listen. Mm. This is a genuinely racist thing I have about Scots. I really, really enjoy hearing a Scottish accent come out of a non-white person. No, I but I, I I like that generally. I don't think, it, for example, I I loved hearing. Yeah, exactly. I heard a a Chinese gentleman at a Chinese takeaway in Scotland speaking with a Scottish accent. I enjoyed that. yes, but I also like the other. I, I I had a my my dad has a friend who is well, he's kind of mixed race, but he looks more whitish. You know, one of those he's got everything in him, but he it's all come out mm-hmm. a bit beigey white, and he's from the Caribbean, <laughs> and he speaks with the strongest. Uh, Afro-Caribbean accent. And oh my gosh, people must think he's being racist all the time. Well, it's just his accent. That's where his family comes from. I, I love that. I love that as well. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with what you say. There's a as a, a Chinese restaurant in Bristol mm-hmm. um, where the, the the Chinese family that runs it all have the strong, like full on strongest Bristolian accents. <laughs> And I can't deny it brings me an absolute joy. No, I agree. But I agree. It's amazing. I, I, I do agree that subverting expectations can yes, be fun. Yes, exactly. It's fun. And silly accents are fun. And silly accents, when you're not expecting them, are even more fun. But also, you know, that spreads area. You know, that's, you know, lipstick lesbians and butch gays and so on. It's all it's all part of the web and wharf of expectation versus uh, reality. I, I enjoy all those things. I just I defy all expectations of non expectations. Yeah, <laughs> the most generic human, yeah. the most generic British person. That's what yeah, I. Yeah, the most generic British person. You're you're quite rare. Right? I'm not the generic human. No, you're a very you're honest. quite rare as humans go. Actually, you're a rarity. It's true. Yeah, save the pound. Oh, did you know? Mm. Oh, Toby's got a new book about bugs. Oh, and mammals there's a pie chart showing you what percentage of everything there is on earth and mammals are the tiniest little slither indeed in the pie chart i i, I that puts us in perspective did i mention i, I did i tell me because I've, I've, I've told this to various people and i don't know whether i've told it on the podcast so what came first mammals or fruit oh <laughs> that's an excellent question mm. Um, I would assume fruit because no, otherwise, how no. would trees procreate? No, no, no. Mammals uh, came many, many, many millions of years before flowers or fruit. That's so interesting. How were trees making babies then? Well, that's for 
others to say, but also what's interesting is <laughs> I think the, the, the very naive vegetarian vegan presumption is that, you know, yes, yes. no, they were, they were insectivores. Our, our ancestors, our ancestors ate insects. Where Delicious. There was no fruit coming. There was no fruit for millions and millions of years. And that always screws people's perceptions. <laughs> yes. now, we were here long before. So we, why we do we, why have we evolved with such flat molars then? Um, it's a long story and we're already... Yes, but I want to know the answer. Uh, it's a long story. You don't know the answer. That's I do. The problem is. I do, but it requires such a long discussion of different ideas and to do with cooking and our, our brain adaptation. Blah, blah, nah, 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 nah. Okay, I have another question for your... So, you know, you're so... We now know we need to stop. How long have we been going? 80, 52 minutes. Good 52 gracious. years. Um, you know uh, you believe in evolution, yeah. despite all the evidence. Yeah. yeah. Well, how does your so-called, yeah. air quotes, evolution uh-huh. explain this? I love arguments that begin that way. <laughs> I love every argument that begins. Yeah. How does your so-called evolution explain this? It is always received with a long, detailed answer yeah. of how it explains it. Yes. But I, so I genuinely don't understand. Why is there only one really tall animal? Why do we only have giraffes? If being tall is the evolutionary advantage such that giraffes survive, why aren't there tons of... It's not, an, it's not because you're begging the question that is an evolutionary advantage. Ah. Uh, we used to have many, many, many megafauna, actually. Oh, of course we did that. Yes, that. And we, and we, and, that... And we killed most of them. They probably weren't delicious. No, they, they were delicious. That's why we killed them. They were very fatty and yummy, yeah. and we killed them. And then we had to start doing things like eating smaller animals, and then God help us, potatoes. Um, but you know, we <laughs> we were we were a carnivorous megafauna hunting creature that uh, ended up killing its uh, prey too effectively. But you know, they were. And if you think about the, the problem, I think with with things like giraffes is actually they require a quite a lot of sophisticated technology to make them work you know to allow their necks to work allow them allow their heads not to explode when they bend over and all those kind of things <laughs> yeah now there is real there's no real there's there's no benefit to being that tall unless you are one of the few who can like access the the leaves at the top of the trees and so on and things like that um and that if you don't really care about the leaves on top of the trees then you know, what is the benefit of being that tall? It's quite ungainly. It requires a lot of expensive yeah. mechanisms. Massive energy and, consumption. And a lot of, it's very, it seems very yeah. energy And a lot of also expensive me- uh, mechanics that can go wrong. Uh, what, what, yep. what, what, what you would want instead is, I would have thought, general bulk and heft, which is why you've got things like rhinos and hippos and um, elephants and so on. If you are a... But you haven't got things like that and so on. You've just got those three. The lack of diversity in mammals seems really peculiar to me when you consider the diversity of things like insects. No, but are insects that diverse? They all fit in a particular size range. Well, no, I mean, in terms of the numbers of species, there are millions upon millions of species. There's such a tiny number of species of mammals, especially the big ones. No, but when you're saying mammals, I think it's more like saying beetles, really. No, no, that's exactly the wrong thing to do. I can show you the pie chart. Beetles, there are countless factor more beetles than any other yeah, animal and any other Yeah, because there aren't that many. Because there aren't that many. No, what I'm saying beetles is rather than focusing on just on the whole whole range of of um insects focus on a particular set of insects and that's kind of where i feel mammals are now i think that mammals 
don't need to have that diversity because they found the niches where they found them to work particularly well. I mean, we've got the little shrew-like things which scurry around. We've got the the, the slightly the, the slightly bigger carnivores which are fast and leap about. Then we've got the the big hefty sort of uh, herbivores that use their bulk to defend themselves and. That's about it. I, mean, I still, I think you're, I think you're failing to recognise the n- actual numbers in terms of, of, uh, um, oh my goodness, my brain's invertebrates compared to everything yeah, but, else on Earth. The, the range, the diversity yeah. of invertebrates is astoundingly yeah, but, bigger than you can yeah, possibly but, imagine. So at that point, mammals start to look no, really bizarrely specific. No, because think of an, think of the amount, the, the number of generations per eon that an invertebrate has to evolve and adapt versus a mammal mammals their gestation their 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 mm-hmm. lives uh, and so forth are and the number of habitats they can actually live in and thrive in are very different to something like an invertebrate which gets to slip into all sorts of places and lives you know i don't know a few hours few so days. is it i wonder if it's also I wonder if it's also size to energy. So the larger you are, the more energy it takes for you to exist, and therefore the fewer of you there yes, are. Yes, of course. I mean, so we, we, insects are relatively tiny, yeah. so their their energy to size ratio well, is totally. Oh, different of course, and you, and you know, you, you you couldn't have a planet with twenty billion elephants on it. It wouldn't work. It would be very cool. Though. <laughs> it would be the planet of the elephants. There's nobody. It would be. That. And, and, you know, they tried it for a while. You know, we had lots of different ele- elephant swords. You had mammoths and mastodons and all, all sorts. And we ended up just killing most of them and eating them. I think that's the problem. I think that if you're going to be something as kind of complex and big on the land as a mammal, uh, you really, you're a, you're Think of a mammal uh, as almost a federation of biomass that would actually be hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of insects per mammal. That would so really one mammal is really the 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 budget equivalent of hundreds of thousands or millions of insects. I think that's why. I think you're yeah, right. It's yeah. You can almost. Why don't we think of mammals as being made up of insects? Let's think of it that way. Like that's a good way of thinking about it. What I'm enjoying about this episode is it's been two white people talking about the experiences of different races, and then two non-biologists discussing evolution. Evolution is quite simple. People make such a fuss about it. <laughs> I would like to finish by reading you an early day motion from 2004, the 21st of May 2004. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. this was submitted by one Tony Ben, Tony Banks. Tony, sorry, I remember him. Is he dead? Slightly different. He must be dead. I don't know. He must be dead. Let's look up Tony. Let's look up Tony Banks. Whatever happened to girl? Go blimey, Tony Banks! He's got to be dead. I insist upon it because you murdered him. I insist upon it. <laughs> He's a musician, and he was born in 1950. Oh. The wrong Tony Banks, Wikipedia. I think I remember his evacuation. Um, Baron Stratford. Uh, he died aged 63 in Florida. Hmm. In 2006. Gosh. Goodness me, that's a long time ago. Also, um, clumsily young to die. Yes, it's just, my, at least my dad managed another three yeah, years. Ridiculous. Um, okay, so I should read his early day motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this house is appalled, but barely surprised, at the revelations in MI5 files. Uh-huh. Um, M15 files, I should say. It says here. Yeah. Um, 
regarding the bizarre and inhumane proposals to use pigeons as flying bombs. Oh, I remember that, yes. Semicolon recognises the important and life-saving role of carrier pigeons in two world wars and wonders at the lack of gratitude toward these gentle creatures and believes that humans represent the most obscene, perverted, cruel, uncivilised and lethal species ever to inhabit the planet and looks forward to the day when the inevitable asteroid slams into the earth and wipes them out, giving nature the opportunity to start again. We aren't, of course, off nature. We're not off nature, no. and indeed, we would be the only people to die in an asteroid. Nate, the rest of the yeah, actual nature would be fine. Be fine. Yeah. Would you like me to tell you who signed this early day motion? I'm sure uh, Jeremy Corbyn did. Tony Banks, mm-hmm. John McDonnell, and Jeremy Corbyn. Of course. Signed an early day motion supporting the destruction of humanity. Well, that's a, it's a, um, a good break from signing early day motions supporting homeopathy or Islamic yeah, Jihad. Yeah. So, you know, there we go. Yeah. So Peter Bottomley came along and rewrote it to make it make sense, weirdly. Oh. Just said, let's make it, turn it into an early demotion saying, let's be grateful for how good pigeons used to be in the war. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dearie me. You know, this is all very, um, very sad, isn't it? This is, we, we, I suppose we get what we deserve, don't we? This is true. You do. Yeah. Did And we managed to get through this entire very lengthy episode without mentioning Keith Vaz. <laughs> Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, he was great. Oh, it it is interesting. I wonder whether I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you a a dark truth. Oh dear. I, I wonder whether other races feel as well. When I see a Jew misbehaving to stereotype, I am always more upset and annoyed by it. Like so, like somebody like Bernie Madoff will be right. a particular, you know, punch in the stomach. I wonder whether the average, uh, you know, somebody from the Indian subcontinent or a Hindu or whatever looks at Keith Vaz and says, oh, for God's sake, you, you know, you lying, slimy grifter, you're, you're just what we, what, what we are trying to avoid the perception of and you jump straight into it. I, I wonder whether other Races slightly feel that, or you know, there's some black dad who then sees that, oh no, uh, another stabbing epidemic in London. Why are the faces all black? I just, I I wish it weren't. I wonder whether we all in our races feel that quiet upsetness that an exemplar of that which we are trying to avoid pops its head up again. I know I feel it. My personal, my personal experience of that is very much whenever I see. The vast majority of Christians in public. Yeah, no, but exactly. Yeah. You must. Uh, that, uh, you, yeah. you you can get there. The, the, oh, don't be the thing that we're always accused of being. Yeah. I'm trying to defend, saying we're not all like that. Please don't. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no, you are. Yeah, that's horrible. Anyway, I think Keith Faz maybe takes it to his own personal. Oh no, there will be. There, there is only one Keith Faz. I mean, he's just. Um, Did actually, you see the, act, the BBC? It's, it's, it's almost beautiful. He's almost taken it to an art. You know, Alan Bastard levels of corruption there, really. The BBC's report on his resignation was just incredible. They didn't mention a single thing other than the prostitution at the end. And they had, and did you hear how Jeremy Corbyn described him? No, I, oh yes. He said that he was an exemplary MP. An exemplary MP. An exemplary MP. This man who was, his career was just one scandal after another, where he was suspended from Parliament twice. Um, He was proven to have um, paid 
taken money against the rules of the House of Commons. He was proven to have colluded with his wife to cover things up. He was proven to have helped prevent terrorists from being extradited. He was... I mean, the guy was just non-stop scandal and corruption. And Jeremy Corbyn calls him an exemplary MP. Mm-hmm. I don't see what Corbyn had to gain from that. He was hardly a lefty type yeah. Labour, was he? What What was Corbyn thinking to do? He should have said, oh, thank goodness, we've finally seen the back of the man. It's just crazy, isn't it? There's Corbyn. But of course, Corbyn. don't forget that Keith Faz has resigned for health reasons. <laughs> What, the health of the rent boys or him? <laughs> Who knows? He had to resign for health problems during the Hinduja yeah. affair as Talking well. Talking about rent boys and the health thereof, how did Michael Barrymore just get, get away with it? It is it is one of those odd ones. Is Michael it? Barrymore still alive? He is. What's he up to these days? People want him to make a comeback. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. Surely he's going to go to the jungle soon. Or apparently, as he's probably called, Michael Kieran Parker. Ah. Ah, kids say the funniest things, apparently. <laughs> That's true. You sounded like you sounded like the character. Do you remember Children's Hour? The um, oh, I've forgotten their names. Yeah, very old and tired. Yes. What were they called? Armstrong yes. and Miller. They're amazing. They made four episodes of it ever, and they're all. Just perfect radio. Excellent. You did a sort of oh uh, yes, yes. Uh, that Martin Baines Jones, I think his name is, does indeed. So yeah, that was their greatest moment. It's so children's out. It's repeated on four extra all the time. It's so utterly perfect. Yes, let's test how old you are. Do you remember what was the game show that actually got Barrymore his fame initially? Well, I'd say it's Strike, strike it, it Lucky. lucky. I've forgotten its name, but yeah. Ah, there you go. See, I'm a Michael Barry, my expert. He also did another game show. I can't remember the name. I remember enjoying See? Strike It Lucky. Oh, no, it was awful. It was just so, there was not, it was so frustrating. A no, but I remember enjoying it for some reason. I don't know why. It's funny. Remember when you used to watch game shows? I love game shows. Are they still alive? Sometimes I put challenge TV on just to watch Are game shows. Are they still shows. alive? They sure are. Don't forget Pointless, um, The Chase, and the best one of all, The Money Go Down Down Show. You see, there's game shows. There are game shows, and then there are shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, which are just... Have you been watching the the British RuPaul's one? I haven't ever seen an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. You're very... Because I'm so... You're very homophobic. That's because I hate all of the people. And, And that includes drag queens, so therefore you hate drag queens. I do hate drag queens and I hate uh, other people. Jake drag well. kings too. I've I've never seen it. I've never. I've, everyone says no, it's do brilliant. Do you hate drag so kings? Sure do I hate drag kings? No, I specifically only like them. Fair enough. Sort of Marlene and Dietrich sorts. <laughs> no, it, I really should watch it because everyone says it's great. But then I've also just to prove how homophobic I am, I've never seen Queer Eye. Everyone adores I that watch too. Queer Eye. And I've seen the people from it on other shows, and they seem really lovely. I watch Queer Eye. Is it good? Should I watch it? Uh, yeah, I think one of the some of the series you should watch. Sometimes they will go and um, sort out the life of, say, uh, somebody from a traditional Christian family, and you see the initial tensions that then turn into yeah. heartwarming affirmations and so on. You like those? You see, it's all the schmaltziness that puts me well, off. Americans are very schmaltzy. 
I'd much rather a big bust up and a fight and then they all start. But Americans out. are very so schmaltzy. They're a very schmaltzy people. They are. Well, the Americans are very edited to be schmaltzy. Yes, schmaltzy. indeed. Um, have you ever seen Undercover Boss, the schmaltziest program ever no, made? It's, any good. it's where the boss of a giant corporation will wear a disguise and go and get entry level positions in his company. To, and meet people who work there and then be unbelievably moved by the struggles of the ordinary person and and then so they'll meet like a, a really awesome lady who's a single mum to 73 children mm-hmm. and she's working 14 jobs and one of them is at his company and she's just got an amazing spirit despite this and so he'll be so moved by this he'll buy her a lovely car mm-hmm. and then and then feel like it's okay that most of his staff are barely surviving and having to do multiple jobs because he pays them so badly. That seems to be, it just seems to be a show about a rich white man getting to feel better about how badly he treats his employees. Uh, well, there, you, there was an episode, a series a few years ago where a very rich man would go undercover and would... Secret billionaire secret or something billionaire, on Channel 4? Yeah, I never saw it. he would it. then join a charity and be a charity worker just pretend to be a normal charity work, and then he'd come out and say, actually, I'm a millionaire, and all those problems you're having, well, now I, I can sort that out for you. Yeah. And he'd give people checks. And it's just... Yeah. yeah. I mentioned that might be slightly more effective than just going into your company, realising that you abuse all your workers, and then trying to make one of them feel I should better. try doing that. I should put on a disguise. And go to the data Yes, center. you should. Say, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, excuse me, what are you doing Pretend that you're a new cleaner. Yes. <laughs> Which one they'll probably be say, who are you and uh, do you have security clearance to be here? And would be like, what's it like? What's it like working for that old, <laughs> your governor, old mailer? <laughs> yeah. It'd be great. Oh, you'd learn a few horrible truths, wouldn't you? Yeah, like I don't know them already. There's a good programme on Netflix. Is there? Oh, that's good. That's good of. to know. Well, it won't be for much longer as we split into 8 billion different streaming yeah. services. I think it's going to be okay because Disney's just going to buy them all and then it'll all, be, it'll all just be Disney+. Plus. Okay. Um, did you hear they're making a programme, the Mandalore Pops or whatever they're called from off, from off of Star Wars? Yeah. Do you know how much? And it's reported that one episode of that show costs No. Me. Well, if I'll give you some context, Star Trek The Next Generation, mm-hmm. toward the end, in the late 90s, mm-hmm. late 90s, uh, mid 90s, mm-hmm. cost uh, $2 million an episode. That seems a lot. It does seem a lot. That was the most expensive show on TV at the time, I mm-hmm. think. Um, Mandalorian Obels costs $100 million per episode. And, it, and yet it won't look 50 times better than Star Trek The Next Generation. And a it's. I, I would argue that's possibly not the best example because Star Trek: The Next Generation looks so bad. Yeah, but it won't look fifty times better, and it won't be a fifty times no. better program. It will definitely look twice better. It'll look twice it as good and probably be a worse program overall. Hundred million dollars in it. Well, there's some sort of weird pyramid scheme going on again. There. That's that's not realist. That's not realistic. What we hear that. Well, they're betting the whole company on on this streaming well, service. Uh, it seems. Goodness sake. Anyway, shall we say goodbye? It's been one hour and we ten minutes. Should. It's the longest anyone's ever talked for. It is. We're, we're heroes. <laughs> we're, we're the true heroes. We don't need another hero. So that's it. I'm going to press the stop recording button. Say goodbye now. to everybody first. Goodbye to everybody first. Bye bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs>